You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow Cammy with Cammy AG or follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Horns. I want to remind you this episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. So head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On. You get ten dollars off your first purchase. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little Big Twelve Power Rankings. Cammy, are you ready? Are you excited about that today? I'm ready. I'm ready to get into debate with you because we do not agree on this. We do not agree. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out where do we put certain teams. Where is Oklahoma? Where is Kansas State? Where is Oklahoma State? And then you got teams like Baylor who have only played a game, but it was against Kansas. How do you – I don't really know how to look at that because Kansas, we don't expect much out of them. They might win a game, sure. Can they win two? Can they win three? I, I don't think so. Yeah, see, I, I agree with you because I think it's a no-brainer at the number one and the number 10 spot in the Big 12 power rankings right now. I think um, – and, and you can, I guess, say uh, number two with Oklahoma State is fairly realistic for right now this early on in the season. But I think the middle part of the Big 12 is um, just chaos. I, I think there are several teams uh, such as West Virginia, TCU, Texas Tech that I think are fairly similar. Um, but I actually have them at the bottom end of the Big 12 power rankings. So – it can get kind of tricky, but I, I know there's one thing that we do not agree on, and that's Kansas State. Uh, we don't agree on Kansas State. That is correct. Uh, let, let's just run it through it. So we're both in agreement here. Let's go with 10 right now. It's Kansas. Where do you got – who do you have at number nine? Ooh. I'm going to go ahead and put – man, I know ESPN had TCU at nine. I think that's a little low for them. So I'm probably going to put West Virginia down there. I'm at nine. What about you? Uh, TCU. Okay. Uh, just based on the fact that we've only seen Max Dugan play for one half of football. Uh, in right. the first half where they had Matthew Downing, they couldn't move the football. Uh, they scored one touchdown in that half, and, and Dugan came in and obviously helped them out. But they did it against a, a team in Iowa State who did not look good at all in their opener. Uh, against Louisiana Lafayette. So that's why I'm going to go with TCU at number nine for me. Yeah, I think I think the reason it's a little low for me is because we all know they have a decent secondary. I think it's one of the best in the Big 12, if not the best secondary in the Big 12. But uh, Dugan obviously was out, um, obviously not playing. He was taking care of that heart condition that they discovered uh, when they were doing uh, COVID testing. So I, I don't necessarily judge that game for him. And obviously he came in uh, halfway through the game, basically. So that's tough to do in itself. So I think they have more talent uh, than to be put at the number nine spot. Um, but like I said, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and TCU, to me, are all in the same uh, argument, I would say. Yeah, number eight for me is going to be that West Virginia football team. Just looking at, yes, they did beat an Eastern Kentucky team handedly, but, you know, obviously it's an FCS program. Uh, I didn't think they looked very good against Oklahoma State at all. You're talking about the Steels brothers up front on defense against a porous Oklahoma State offensive line that couldn't protect the quarterback and uh, ended up, with a high ankle sprain, and that's why Spencer Sanders was out for the game. So when I look at them, that that's why I look at West Virginia, and I put them below Texas Tech at number eight. Yeah, I agree with you there. I'd probably put West Virginia at eight and then actually Texas Tech at seven. So um, 
It, it seems funny because uh, Texas Tech obviously played Texas very close, but I still don't think they're uh, that great of a football team. I, I obviously have a lot of respect for Bowman and what, what he's doing with that offense, but um, I just think the other teams like Iowa State and Baylor and obviously Oklahoma are uh, much better than Texas Tech at this point. But if you're a Texas fan, you obviously want uh, Texas Tech to look really good the remainder of the season. Yeah, and that all starts uh, this Saturday against Kansas State. So you're you're it's hard in that one because obviously Kansas State beat Oklahoma, uh, mm-hmm. and so it's like, do you need Oklahoma to look better? Do you need Kansas State to look better? That's an argument and conversation that we're probably going to get into on Friday. Uh, but but going back to this list here, Texas Tech at number seven. That's the way I see it. Uh, Alan Bowman looked really good. Uh, you know, he looked good. Uh, but he did throw two interceptions without any pressure whatsoever. Uh, the Texas defensive line wasn't able to get to him. Uh, you can't be throwing interceptions with no pressure whatsoever. And they weren't they weren't good interceptions at all. Yeah, um, and especially in crunch time and overtime, that last play of the game. But I think the game just got a little bit too big for him. I think there were um, – obviously, even myself, I thought Tech was running away with it. Uh, there were three minutes left when Texas was down 15. But that's when your best players had to – I have to step up. I mean, the stakes are highest, and Sam Ellinger definitely did that for Texas. So, um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you at Texas Tech at number seven for now. But like I mentioned, we obviously want them to look really well the rest of the season. Yeah, and then you get into number six, and this is where I have Iowa State, and I keep bumping them down. Uh, obviously, I bumped I them down after the loss to uh, Louisiana Lafayette, which that team was undefeated, was top 25. Uh, until they brought the Big Ten and Pac-12 teams in, which dropped them out. But, you know, they're an undefeated team. Brock Purdy has not looked good at all this year. Uh, yeah. You can even go back to that game against TCU. He had a really bad play that ended up scoring them a touchdown in a mm-hmm. game that they only won by three points. So I look at that. That one's tough. Um, and then we're going into number five. Um, and and kind of want your point there. What do, you, what do you think about Iowa State at six? I I agree with it for now. I obviously think Iowa State is talented. Um, in all of the preseason uh, polls and everything, we were saying that Iowa State would be competing for the Big 12 title this year, but Purdy just doesn't look the same, uh, which is unfortunate for them. But they still have plenty of talented team playmakers on that offense, I think. Um, Baylor and Iowa State, to me right now, are pretty much in the same discussion. So I would probably do Iowa State at six and then Baylor at five. Yeah, I think you have to put Baylor at number five there. Uh, obviously, Charlie Brewer is a really talented quarterback. But, again, uh, when, we, when we talk about some of these guys, some of the guys like Alan Bowman is the same thing. Can you stay healthy for an entire season? Uh, we right. saw towards the end of last year that, that Brewer had the issues with concussions. And like I said, you know, earlier on in the segment, how good is Baylor? I mean, they they did beat Kansas 47 to 14, but, you know, we, we won't really know. Uh, maybe you'll get a better idea this coming mm-hmm. weekend. Uh, let's talk about number four. Uh, at number four, I have the Oklahoma Sooners mm-hmm. at number four. Uh, too low for me, too low. Why? I think Oklahoma is still one of the top, if not the top team in the conference. I, I know they lost to Kansas State, uh, but – Look at that roster. Obviously, Lincoln Riley, Spencer Rattler. I, I know – I understand they lost, but if you look back on what they did last year when they lost to Kansas State, uh, they didn't lose again. They made it all the way to the college football playoffs, and they obviously looked pretty dominant in doing that. So, I just don't have it in me to put them behind Kansas State right now. I think if they were to play again, I think Oklahoma whoops them. So, it, it, it was just one of those unlucky games. And, unfortunately, I mean, I guess fortunately for Texas, they squeaked by theirs, but it could have been the same exact – 
um, outcome is what happened with Oklahoma and Kansas State. So I, I would have Oklahoma just ahead of Kansas State right now. I think it's – I have Kansas State at three, Oklahoma at four, mostly because of how Oklahoma lost that game. You build a 35-14 to 14 lead going in late mm-hmm. to the third quarter. You're outscored the rest of the way, uh, 23 to nothing. Uh, lose that game 38 to 35 after not scoring. Um, and, and, you know, Lincoln Riley talked about it. They kind of went into, you know, coast mode, and, and that's something mm-hmm. that they can't do. And, and, and a team that wants to be in the national championship uh, playoff, you can't do that. Right. And I think it was bad for the Big 12 as a whole. And obviously, and, and you, I guess you kind of thought things couldn't get worse for the Big 12 after the opening weekend because um, really no team looked very dominant. I mean, I guess Texas and Oklahoma did, but they weren't playing um, that strong of competition. So I think it's continuing to get worse for the Big 12. I mean, Texas barely squeaking by Texas Tech, obviously Oklahoma losing. Um, Oklahoma State uh, somehow is still winning, but uh, – I don't know. Iowa State looks worse than we expected. And so you, you need to have these Big 12 teams playing really good football if we ever want a shot at going to the college football playoffs. So uh, those, I guess, those chances are looking a little bit more slim by the week. But like I mentioned, Oklahoma lost to Kansas State last year and made it all the way to the college football playoffs. So it's not out of, um, it's certainly not, I guess, unrealistic for them to do that again. But uh, that Texas Oklahoma game is now going to be ginormous. Yes, it will, and obviously October 10th, we're going to get a lot of answers for Texas, for Oklahoma. Are they legit? Uh, I think it's a little too early to start knocking them out of the playoff conversation. There's too much that can happen. Obviously, we've already mm-hmm. seen it with LSU, uh, Mississippi State this past weekend, uh, but I think we're, we're in agreement here. We're going to go Oklahoma State number two. We got Texas as the number one team. Obviously, this is a week-to-week thing, and uh, who knows? We may have a whole new list next week. Uh, coming up next, we want to talk a little bit about the Texas Tech game and some of our, our thoughts on the depth chart as they get ready for TCU. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. Uh, Built Bar has changed the game as far as when it comes to your health. You want to eat right? You want to eat good? I'm trying to lose weight, so what am I doing? I'm exercising more, and I'm eating my Built Bars. I go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get $10 off your first purchase. You definitely got to check them out. They have 12 original flavors. They have their six new, including cheesecake. Who doesn't love to eat cheesecake while you're getting healthy? I'm all for it. So head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use a promo code Locked On. All right. So, Cami, let's let's talk a little bit about the Texas Tech game. Uh, first off, I, I just wanted to get what was your initial thought after the game? I know. There was a lot of uh, anxiety with three minutes and 13 seconds left in that fourth quarter. I mean, if you're a Cowboys and a Texas I – mean, yeah, a Cowboys and a UT fan, I should say. That was one stressful week. And um, I think the difference here is that the Cowboys kind of were uh, handed that win on a silver platter with the Falcons obviously not falling on that onside kick. But I think Texas had to earn this come from behind a victory in overtime. And I think my biggest takeaway right away, uh, there was a couple, there was a few negative ones, obviously uh, with the defense and um, even the offensive line, I think was the most shocking to me. They were consistently allowing uh, pressure on Sam with a three man rush and the big 12 defenses already have a bad rap. So that was uh, embarrassing and quite shocking to me because I thought our offensive line looked pretty good against UTEP. But I think my major takeaway was it had to be Sam. I mean, he came, he came through when the stakes were highest. That's when he played his best ball in the game. Um, he was, spread the ball around all over the field. Obviously, Joshua Moore, Brendan Eagles had huge games. Um, but it, it had to come down to Sam. I mean, he, he had to put the team on his back when it mattered. And um, 
Cameron Dicker also that onside kick was uh, dang near perfect. I don't think he could have gotten much better than that. So uh, there's a couple different takeaways depending on how you look at it. Yeah, when you look at this team and you look at that game in general, uh, yes, that that was a big takeaway. What did Sam look like in those final three minutes? He got those three touchdowns, the two-point conversion in there to Brennan Eagles, mm-hmm. obviously Joshua Moore. And, and that's one of the big things. Joshua Moore has been big through two games. He's the first Texas Longhorns player to score four touchdowns the first two games of the season. Uh, I think that's huge. Uh, that connection has got to continue to grow as they try to figure out who is going to take place of Devin DuVernay. Uh, the defense was my big takeaway. That was just way too many missed tackles, too many opportunities for Texas Tech. And that's not something that they can do. That's not something Chris Ash wants to do. And I know uh, as fiery as he can be, I, I'm sure his team heard it, even mm-hmm. though he did say that his football team was embarrassed by their efforts on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and I, I think the perfect example of that was when Tech went up by 15 on that last touchdown with around three minutes left. And Texas actually had him in the backfield before he took off, and I believe it was third down. So uh, that was a crucial play in the game. Obviously, Texas needed to hold him there, and uh, they were fortunate they were able to make that comeback. But, um, yeah, they've mentioned all week, I know Chris Ash, the players, everything, that they were just uh, completely embarrassed by that performance. And um, I don't think anyone expected it to be that bad, um, especially against Tech. But uh, like they mentioned, it's early on the season. You can fix those mistakes right now. And um, they obviously only have, what, less than – two weeks, a little over a week before they go play Oklahoma. So I don't know, but I, I guess the positive I'm taking away is I don't think uh, Mike Yurcich has even put a dent in that playbook yet. So um, like I mentioned, they're just very lucky they got by with the win there, and that's what matters at the end of the day. But it wasn't an attractive win by any means, so whatever. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. You know, I mean, that, that wasn't attractive, but let's talk a little bit about, you know, Tariq Black. Uh, you know, he was the number one guy on the starting role. Where was on, he? Yeah, exactly. On Where the was X. He? I mean, he did play. He did play. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he did play. But it was, you know, Brennan Eagles who, who started out at the X. And even this coming week, he's listed on the depth chart at number one. Uh, don't really know what happened. But obviously, Brennan Eagles had some big plays in that game. Yeah, but when we we've harped on this basically since Herman has been a coach at Texas and we continuously say that he's a big practice guy. Uh, how you perform in practice is uh, basically going to determine how many, uh, I guess, opportunities you get on game day. And, and I feel like uh, throughout fall camp, they kept reiterating that Tariq Black looked uh, really great. He was outperforming Eagles in practice and things like that. So I'm assuming Eagles has strung along a, a few solid practices and deserved those opportunities. And um, he must continue to because obviously we saw Tariq Black listed below him on the depth chart. I did think it was surprising considering Tariq Black kind of had um, a breakout game, you could say, against UTEP, against lesser competition. But um, I think when Jake Smith comes back in the slot, it's going to provide more opportunities for them outside. Yeah, you talk about Jake Smith coming back. Obviously, that's a significant upgrade from having Kai Money, Brennan Schooler. Uh, it almost felt like that offense looked off without Jake Smith. Yeah, and we've seen uh, from several insiders that Mike Yersich actually has uh, specific packages for both Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington. So uh, that's that's what I mean. I don't think we've seen um, near enough of this playbook yet with Yersich to really judge him. Um, Jake Smith is going to be one of their, and I've said this since before the season even started, I think he's going to be their, uh, one of their top receivers. Now, obviously, I think it's going to be Josh Moore. But heading into the season, I was for sure it was going to be Jake Smith. And he just plays a vital role and requires so much attention from opposing defenses. And he's obviously very, very quick in the slot. So he's going to be used heavily 
I think that's probably uh, the biggest upgrade uh, that they could possibly have uh, in terms of the Texas Tech game and heading into TCU this weekend. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that eight of Sam Ellinger's 10 touchdowns that he's thrown this season have come in the middle of the field. And so, and that's kind of the area where Jake Smith can operate, where he can get you some yards, yards after the catch, his quickness, get away from linebackers. Uh, yeah, and I know, think, um, like, for example, when Schooler dropped that touchdown pass, I think that's when Jake Smith catches every day of the week. I think um, he has a little bit more athleticism than some of those um, kind money uh, catches in the, I guess, out of the slot against Tech or, um, I, I just think he can kind of, and I think Jordy Winnington is the same thing. I think having both of them is going to be huge for Texas and hopefully Winnington can actually come back uh, prior to the Oklahoma game. And that's looking pretty slim since they were thinking about uh, three or four weeks on that. So, um, I think Jake Smith is, uh, the primary guy they need to keep healthy and keep on the field. I think they significantly will struggle without him. Yeah, so as far as Jake Smith, I mean, a lot of people thought that he was going to be back for the Texas Tech game, mm-hmm. uh, but obviously he couldn't give it a go that week. You know, he was dealing with, uh, you know, upper respiratory issue. Uh, how are you feeling about him on Saturday? Oh, I think he, I think he's going to be good to go. I um, It was encouraging uh, prior to Texas Tech that they did say his hamstring was, I guess, declared good to go. So um, he was dealing with that sickness. That's the only reason he didn't practice. And since he didn't practice, he obviously couldn't play. So uh, I, I, I do think he's going to play, whether he's 100% healthy, not sure. But obviously they um, gave him, I mean, several weeks off. It was, I think he got, uh, he had that hamstring strain about a week before Utah. So uh, he's been resting in that several weeks. I think he's going to be good to go. Um, hopefully he doesn't have to shake off some rest or anything like that since he really hasn't had any uh, true game um, I guess, atmosphere yet this year, but he's such a talented player. I think he's one of uh, Texas's primary weapons on this offense. One of the guys that I'm worried about, obviously, is going to be B. John Robinson. Uh, tried to leap over a, a player and ended mm-hmm. up on a nasty ball. I, I really don't even know how to describe it because uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know your body could do that. Um, that's a screenshot someone took, I guess, from that game. It looked like his neck was like snapped in half. And I was like, the, the way he, I don't know how he walked off on his own power after that. Obviously, he was going to be hurting after that game. I think the game is just a little bit too fast for him right now. Um, you kind of expect that. He's a true freshman. Uh, that was his second game uh, appearing in. So, um, he'll, I think he'll fix those mistakes. But he obviously is going to be a, uh, I guess, huge part of this offense in that three-headed back. Yeah, well, I think it, he sees his buddy Keontae Ingram do it in a bowl game, and, you know, he wants to try it. He sees Zeke do it. Yeah, Roshan's done it before, too. I mean, they've all tried it, but it's just unfortunate he couldn't land on his feet. Yeah, I mean, you know they're going to take a stumble, but the way that he fell, you know, it was kind of scary. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know that he's going to play much, if at all, if he is good to go against TCU. Uh, but mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a huge thing because they have Roshan, because they have Keontae, and, you know, they talked a little bit about Keontae this week, and they said that, you know, Mike Gerson said he's a spark plug for us, and, you know, the guys just feed off of him. Right, yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about Roshan, too. And, and we, we keep mentioning uh, they're very fortunate to have this three-headed back and running back by committee because uh, – and Herman has mentioned several times that he will go with the hot hand, uh, depending on how the game is going. So I think whoever does provide that spark, and it happened to be in, Ingram towards the end of the Tech game, but – I, I think Roshan constantly brings that. I think he can just run people over, and he's your guy probably most likely at the at the goal line when you need him. So I, I don't know. They're fortunate. They have a lot of depth there. I don't think they need to necessarily rush Bijan back or even play him if he's not completely healthy against TCU. So uh, I guess we'll see what happens. I know he was going to try and practice, I think, 
uh, today, actually. So we'll have to see how that goes. Well, I know Tom Herman has been one of those guys that even earlier before the season started talked about he doesn't like having less than three running backs on scholarship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see if Gabriel Watson gets to play any this week because, uh, you know, they do like to swap in those running backs. So is there a chance that they could play Keontae Roshan and then Watson? We'll see. And then obviously with B. John Robinson, how does he look? All right, but we're going to shift gears now. We're going to talk a little bit about what Chris has said this past few days, talking about the embarrassment. Kimmy, when you, when you think about being embarrassed and, and as far as what the defense did, what do you think was the biggest reason for what transpired in Lubbock? That's hard because, and I think this is a go-to answer for a lot of people, that um, either they're not hitting enough in practice, they're not tackling enough in practice. It could have been the lack of an offseason season. Um, obviously due to COVID and things like that. So I don't know because it didn't look that bad against UTEP. I, I, I was kind of feeling optimistic about this defense against UTEP. And I guess that's easy to say because it's against lesser competition. But it just it, – it, I mean, embarrassing is, is the best way to put it. And I think Chris Ash really has to work on, work on um, uh, not missing so many tackles with these guys and getting consistent pressure on the quarterback. I think uh, we still haven't fully seen – enough pressure um, in either game, I don't think. So um, Dugan's going to present a pretty tough um, job for this defense coming up. I know I know he's kind of a, probably the best dual threat behind uh, Ellinger and Rattler, I think, in the Big 12. So I don't, I don't know, but it has to be fixed. That, that was absolutely awful. Yeah, I think one of the big things that I think, because uh, you talked about it, UTEP looked fine. You know, and obviously there's a there's a difference in competition playing a UTEP football team and playing a Texas Tech football team. So my big thing that one of the reasons why I think it was so poor was the fact that I think they were taken by surprise, maybe by the speed of the game, mm-hmm. how much faster, how because you have to think about this Texas Tech offense likes to go fast, so obviously up tempo, uh, mm-hmm. and I know Texas likes to go up tempo, and they see that in practice, but. Obviously, as we know, practice reps and game reps, completely different. Um, You know, I think about that. And obviously, Chris Ash, new defensive coordinator, he's trying to instill something uh, where they have a truncated training camp. They have no spring, very limited in what they can do and how many practices they're having and how many padded practices and giving them rest and recovery. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think a lot of that is a reason why that they didn't play very well against Texas Tech on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the things that you had to like about what they did was they took the ball away. Okay, well, right. that's, that's good. They're going to need a lot of that, especially when they go up against a team like Oklahoma. You've got to create opportunities for your offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My big worry is not getting to the quarterback. Yeah, same here. And, and I'm not necessarily translating that to sacks, per se, on the uh, statistics side of things. I just think they need to put pressure on the quarterback, get him out of the pocket, uh, make him make a um, miraculous play if you have to, just – get after him. And I don't think we've really seen that yet. And Osai's uh, Texas's guy for that. And um, I don't think he's truly had uh, a game that he's capable of having yet. So uh, hopefully he's unleashed, unleashed a little bit more against TCU is going to be, um, I think a tougher quarterback to play um, in terms of overall talent, um, especially with his dual threat ability. But uh, yeah. And I think what Texas also needs to focus on is not giving the ball away. I know Jamison had that muff punt. Um, those mistakes just can't happen in a game like that. 
No, they, they can. And, and those are things that they're going to have to get cleaned up, obviously. And I, I expect Bulware, uh, Coach Bulware, to clean that up. Um, you know, obviously, concentration issues, maybe not taking s- certain things serious. I'm not going to say they weren't taking tech serious, but maybe mm-hmm. not taking things serious enough in that game. So, obviously, you look at, you know, some of the things that happened, what transpired on the field. Uh, the other big issue was protecting Sam Ellinger and, and how much – pressure he was seeing with just three men rushing that that was a surprise to me yeah and I think what surprised me even more shockingly is when Herman was speaking with the media on Monday uh, he said well when he went back and watched the tape he didn't think the offensive line played as bad as he thought they did and um, I literally had to scratch my head on that because Tech was getting consistent pressure in the most crucial moments of the game with a three-man rush there's absolutely no excuse for that. Uh, that was embarrassing. I don't know what was going. And like I mentioned earlier on in the show, that was one of the most shocking um, things that I remember from that game because offensive line wasn't really one of our weaknesses. That was something I thought would hold pretty well against Texas Tech. And um, yeah, that was just another embarrassing moment for them. Yeah, and that's something that obviously they have to get cleaned up. I mean, the, my big worry is going to be on the right side. Christian Jones, Denzel Okafor, how are they going to look? you know, moving forward against, you know, mm-hmm. stiffer competition. Um, because we, as we all know, Texas Tech is not known as a defensive juggernaut. But how are they going to do right. against a team like Iowa State who plays sound mm-hmm. defense? You know, a team like TCU who plays pretty good defense. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and let's let's switch gears and let's talk about TCU game coming up real quick. Uh, we're going to get more into the game on tomorrow's show, but I kind of wanted to get your – go ahead and get your prediction – uh, who do you think's winning? What's the score? And then we'll get into some X factors. What is the spread right now? Do you remember? After, is it still 11.5? I believe it's 11 and a half according to Bet MGM. Let's see. I I don't know. I think uh, that was an eye opener for Texas against Texas Tech. So I feel like they're going to win. Um, I'm going to say around anywhere from 14 to 17 points ahead of uh, TCU. So that's probably my prediction there. Um I think – I'm trying to think of, like, a player of the game or someone who's really going to stand out. I, for some reason, keep going back to Jake Smith. I think he's just going to explode. I think he's somewhat forgotten about since he hasn't been really uh, appearing in any games this season yet. And um, he's going to be one of the most important weapons in this offense. That I, and I continue to preach that. But I think Jake Smith will come up big for them on Saturday. I am going to go with Texas 45, TCU 35. So I don't have him covering – uh, but I do have them winning by 10. I think it's a uh, relatively close. We'll see how healthy Dugan is. We'll see. That offensive line gave up 16 pressures, according to Pro Football Focus, against mm-hmm. that football team uh, against Iowa State, even though they do have Daquan Bailey, who's one of the top pass rushers in the Big 12. Uh, but I'm going to go with Joseph Asai is going to be my player to watch. He's going to be my expert okay. in this game. I think if he That's can a good get, thing. He needs to get unleashed. If, if he can get after Austin Myers, create some issues. The thing that people have to remember about Austin Myers, the left tackle at TCU, is he's playing a new position this year. He went from right mm-hmm. guard to left tackle. That's not as easy as people think it is. It's not plug and play. I mean, especially on the right side, you used to do things with, you know, a certain hand, and you go to the left side, and it's the complete other, other way. So – you know, He's no Zach Martin, huh? Well, I mean, Zach, <laughs> we're okay. talking about an all-pro. The yeah. all-pro is all-pro. Um, yeah, but I'm just saying that's how impressive it is to do that. And yeah, that's unheard of. Yeah, it's it's still difficult, but we'll see how he progresses. But I expect Joseph Asai to have a much bigger game this week than he has. 
Uh, but that's going to do it with this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you're heading on over to LockedOnPodcast.com. You got all of the teams every day. You got to check them out. But for Cammie, I'm Patrick. And as always, keep it locked on. Welcome. Okay.